Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing. I'm your host, Don Damari. Hi, I'm Don Damari, and you're listening to another episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, I have a guest with me, Mawesh Syed, and she is an author, fashion and interior designer, and cancer survivor. Hello, Mawesh. Thanks so much for having me, Don. Lovely to meet you. Really nice to meet you too. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. So you wrote a book, Purgatory to Paradise, correct? Yes. And it was about your healing journey through cancer. And it also showed how design became your healing sanctuary, which I think is really interesting. I'm really interested to do this interview because it blends, you know, design and beauty with healing. And that's really unique. So I'm really thank excited. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I wrote this book and it came out of uh, workshops that I was doing at the local hospital with other cancer survivors. And oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you the things that I did naturally around my home while I was going through cancer treatment were so revivifying that I had to share with the world these wonderful, um, I call my pomegranate seeds of wisdom. So that is how the book came out. Well, I like that, the pomegranate seeds of wisdom. So it also like little small seeds. And I yeah, like that. yes. Before we started, I, I, you know, we were talking about um, how I was asking you, I was so curious about how you came up with your name, A mm-hmm. Teaspoon of Healing. And I think that is so relatable, Don, because healing is very daunting. It sometimes is very intimidating when you're looking at where you were and where you want to be. And one teaspoon at a time, one step at a time is a really wonderful way to begin your journey. Well, thank you. And I really like that. I really like how you put that. And I feel the same way when you mentioned the pomegranate seeds of wisdom. So it's, it's a small little bit rather than Because wisdom, again, is also a very large concept and very daunting to think about. But little pomegranate seeds, I I like that a lot. Thank you. So, Mawish, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. I am a fashion and interior designer. I've been working here in New York. been very lucky to be in the midst of Gotham. And I went from dressing girls going through their weddings and wedding dresses and special occasions to... Um, dressing their homes and creating uh, a beautiful environment for them to live in. And it's always been super creative for me. I've always employed all my senses to transport you because I believe your home is your healing oasis and it's your sanctuary. It's a way for you to come back to homeostasis, to your equilibrium. So I spent a lot of time really thinking about not just in terms of aesthetics and how things look beautiful, but in terms of materials. I advise um, other firms on their materials. So I started looking at things also through a cancer lens, meaning, how is this good for me? It can be great. And for example, I'll give you, you know, I'm not going to name this company, but, you know, they market their rugs to be washable. It's, you know, it's so convenient. Um, You can do whatever you want with it. But it's polypropylene. It's polyester. And, you know, more and more studies are showing that those types of materials 
are very toxic. And over time, they release not only um, VOCs, but nanoparticles in your dust. So why would you sacrifice your health for convenience? And I think a lot of things, once we start looking around, and when I started looking around through my cancer journey, I re- took a total audit of my space, Don. I com- mm-hmm. looked at it from a material standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, and from an emotional standpoint, like any toxic relationships, anything that was giving me stress. So in my book, I cover all of those factors because we don't exist in a vacuum. We are a living ecosystem. That's what I like to call our bodies, that we are a living ecosystem. We're a community of divinely intelligent um, cells, and we're constantly in communication with our environment and vice versa. I love that. I love that. And on this podcast, a lot of people that come on the show, they share a little bit about their healing journey. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your healing from breast cancer with our listeners? Thank you. It, w- it came as a surprise. It came as a surprise. And I thought I was being relatively healthy and vibrant and ate all the right things, so on and so forth. So when I finally went through the process and the genetic testing, I realized that uh, it was not genetic. And I began to research basically what could cause this. I didn't take it like just passively like, okay, that's it. I really started investigating because one thing we are discovering now more than ever that over two thirds of cancer diagnoses are epigenetic. They are a result of your lifestyle and your environment. That could mean anywhere from what you're eating to what you're feeling and um, what you're living in and where you're living. All of those are contributing factors. So I really started to look around. But one of the things I want to share with you, and this is where the pomegranate seeds come from, they're rooted in mythology. So my story is the story of Persephone. And Persephone, for your audience, she's the goddess of the seasons in Greek mythology. I designed it like years ago. I did a Persephone series of clothing, even. I did dance performances. I I mean, Persephone's been kind of a thread that's been weaving in and out of my life for a long time as a metaphor. But this time around during my cancer journey, Don, I really rooted into her in a very surprising way. Instead of having a battle with cancer or a fight with cancer, because cancer was in my body and I thought, I'm not in a fight with my body. I'm not going to be, this is not good for me. Instead, I cast cancer as my Hades, my divine lover. And, you know, she is abducted and taken down into the underworld. And I was abducted and taken down into my underworld, into my shadow side. And through that process, I realized so many beautiful things, terrifying things. I'm not saying that it was something beautiful isn't scary. Sometimes when you are faced with yourself in your most darkest truth, it can be terrifying. And so I had to come face to face with my shadow in my underworld. Thank you for sharing that. And that must have been, that was just so difficult. But, you know, I really like how you you know, you worked with your shadow, you try to, I don't really want to say see the positive because it's not a positive thing, but how you work through it sounded like it. <laughs> and that's yeah. really important. And that's really important. And 
Where in your journey, I know you had mentioned that that's where you were thinking also about creating healing spaces within your home. Where in your journey did you think about merging design with healing, like with your background and see how, you know, beautifying your space or working with your space could help you heal? Well, it really started in the basement of the chemo infusion wing. And it was a warren of little rooms. And I write about this. I was struck by the location of the space because we were underground already. And we had no access to natural light. Um, I was under fluorescent lights and fluorescence are what they use in horror movies. So the, the green tinge is a incredibly um, jarring to your biology even. And I started looking around and creating, like shutting off the lights and bringing in nice fabrics. And because and I was there for 12 hours at a time, I was bringing in over accessories. But beyond that, Dawn, I, when I came home and I was spending a lot of time at home, I was looking around and I suddenly realized my space was like, you know, I spend so much time decorating and designing other people's spaces. And sometimes your own is the most neglected. And mine certainly was. And so I started looking around and redecorating and really investing in my surroundings. And in the process of doing that, I discovered something really unique. Two things. One, I call it my blueprint for pleasure. So I started looking at my space through my five senses. And for example, sight, color, color is so important. I started repainting. I started putting really beautiful art on the wall that I've always loved for, for decades. And I finally pulled the trigger on. I started bringing in flowers and things that made me feel good. Even if it's just one flower on my dining table, that's just a wonderful focal point. You know, I designed dresses. Um, that were talismanic. Uh, I talk about this where talismans are objects that are imbued with meaning. And by curating even your table, I call, you know, your coffee table should be like your altar because it's your sacred sanctuary. And I would love to curate objects on my coffee table that mean something to me, that hold that resonance that, you know, um, for example, labradorite, which I love as a stone, um, and different um, symbols. Of, I have a beautiful vase that's snakes, and snakes represent immortality and, and divine feminine for me. So whatever it is that means something to you, designing from that perspective is incredibly healing. And now there are studies that link recovery rates, in like really increased recovery rates with the aesthetics, neuroaesthetics, the fact that your space has an effect on your nervous system and it actually can soothe you. I'm, I mean, this is on every single level. So what I started doing on a very intuitive way, just from feeling like, oh my gosh, this is how I comfort myself when I'm feeling bad. You know, like, it's like my mom always says, you know, put on your lipstick, like look good, like take a shower, you know, do your hair, it'll make you feel better. It's kind of like that, but from an interior design perspective. I really like that. And how you had mentioned also pleasure as far as like looking at things with all of your five senses and how that also helps your healing. Um, yes. We don't really hear about that 
when it comes to healing. You don't hear about how pleasure can help heal. And I think that actually makes it much more soft, much more approach, something you can approach and less daunting as well. Yes, yes. Well, think about it this way. And, and I have other friends who, you know, I mentor other survivors as well who've gone through this journey. And a lot of them have expressed that they don't feel good and they don't feel beautiful when they're going through something. I mean, cancer is pretty hardcore. You metamorphosize, you transform, right? You go through that real process of change physically. And I can definitely relate on how it made me feel. But one of the things I must really share with your listeners is that when I talk about beauty, I want to clarify, it's about divine grace. It's about your cellular alignment. And that is something you can't wait in the purgatory of your life for. You, are, We can't live our lives in a state of limbo, waiting to live, waiting to feel beautiful. I really truly mean that. So why not create your paradise now? While, especially when you need it the most, when you're going through cancer or any illness, you need beauty the most because it is divinely healing. Really like that. And also, how so how can somebody who's going through cancer, you know, they may be losing their hair, they may be, you know, of course, everything in their body, they, they really, like you said, they don't feel beautiful. I really liked how you mentioned that beautiful is divine, being within divine grace. And so how can people make themselves feel that more when they're going through that? It's a great question. And it's a question I've been trying to answer because I have found my divine purpose. It's so interesting. Sometimes when you step back and you look at your life and you're like, I like this and I've done this and I've done that. And suddenly you're like, none of that really makes sense until something catalyzes it. And all those disparate threads become woven into a beautiful color no one's seen before. That is what I'm doing right now. And I had so many people asking me this very same question. I designed a course for people going through this from a survivor's perspective, from someone who's been there. Like if you had a, a big sister like me and said, oh God, I've got this diagnosis. Malish. What do I do? What do I do? Where do I start? What do, what do, what are the things I need to think about? So I'm your design sister. I'd be like, okay, all right, Don, here's where we start. This is where we start. And number one is mindset, is looking and framing and using your words, your spoken words wisely. I believe our words are vibration. They are a physical being and they have an effect on everyone. And we underestimate the power of that speaking as a, as a sense too, in terms of sound, in terms of brain entrainment. So how you speak about your cancer, how you speak about yourself in relation to cancer to yourself, your inner dialogue is incredibly important. So there's that one aspect. The other aspect is how do you design your healing? What does that look like? And that could also mean from a sensory standpoint, going and rooting back into what makes you feel good. Think about your childhood. Think about when you were six years old before you even cared about anything and you were running around in your backyard and playing with you know, your favorite toy and that feeling to reclaim that feeling. I'll share this. 
it's an exercise that I did for myself. <clears throat> I took out a picture of myself from, I think I was 15. It was before boys. It was like, I was, you know, very artistic. I was always doing something. And it's just a picture of me like laughing, just very happy um, at the end of our driveway. And I taped it up on my mirror on, on top of my dresser. And I looked at it every single morning I got up to commune with that version of me because I was changing. I didn't look like her. My hair, my skin, my eyebrows, my burns, all of those things. And so I had, that was my talisman. That was my moment of communing and meditating on that girl who still was there inside me going through all of this. So just as an example, that's just one of the examples. I have other ways from all your senses how to root back into your equilibrium so that you can deal with things without constriction, without panic, without despair. I mean, those things are going to be there, but at least you can face those demons and invite them into your home with grace and alignment. I love that. And I really liked how you brought up finding that picture of you when you're 15 and you were just in the moment and creating art and you were so happy. And I love that, having people go back and yeah, either thinking of an image was in their head or finding a photo of themselves um, within that innocence when they were just in their element and relating that back to like how they can capture that feeling within. Yes. Thank you. Speaking of healing, so can healing spaces also, I'm assuming this, this is true, but they also heal like you emotionally. I know when my space is really cluttered, I start to get anxious. And when it's very clean, when it's just cleaned and everything's organized, I feel really at peace. So I'm assuming that your space, beautifying your space and organizing can also help with emotional health too. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. When I use the word curate, that in my mind, that definition means to declutter because when you curate something, you only leave the objects that have meaning for you and that are beautiful. I design spaces where I know the size of your shampoo bottle and I create a niche in your shower that's the exact size of your shampoo bottle so we don't waste anything. It's all about that level of curation. And so there's really a level of specific and intentional living that I think is really important to, to share, that we are intentional beings and your whole space can be a meditation. Uh, I'll give you another example. Like I brought it up earlier, lighting. Lighting to me is so important from a circadian standpoint from a decorative standpoint. And at night, it's so important to bring your body into a restful state. I don't believe in overhead lighting at night. And here's why. Overhead lighting is like high noon. So the location of your lights, Don, did you know, are being um, sensed by your body? So where your body is mm -hmm. in, in relation to the location of your light really matters. So in terms of that, at night, they should be at eye level, standing lamps or, or, you know, table lamps or sconces, but nothing kind of jarring above you like the, you know, that long dome uh, little light. 
kind of swimming in a sea of ceiling in your in, in a lot of spaces that I see. And I think again, lighting changes your mood. It changes the way you um, experience your ha- home, and it changes the way you experience colors because you know a color looks very different in different places. Like when you're taking a swatch, you want to make sure you take it into your home. So all of these things from this sensory point of view are really your teaspoon, one teaspoon at a time, healing you bit by bit. I love that. I love that. And lighting, that's a really good point and getting you, you know, ready for bed. But I've never really thought about that having only like eye level lights. And that's usually what we do at night is we only have eye level lights because we actually in our family room don't have an overhead light. Um, yet. So it's actually good to know. So if we, once we do get that to kind of make it either turn it off or make it really low, that's really interesting. Now, how can we decorate our homes to support our health? Um, So how can people decorate their homes to support their health? I know you said one thing about the the vase you had that had the snakes on it that, I I forgot what the symbol was. I think it was it healing or transformation. Can't remember. All of those things, it's divine feminine and uh, immortality. Yes. Yes, which is awesome. So like if some, I guess that's one part of it is finding something you like, but what are a couple other things people can do in their homes that can really support their healing? So interestingly enough, from a neuroaesthetic standpoint, yes, having things around you that have meaning and that give you pleasure is really important. Now, the other aspect is from a material standpoint, there are things in our home that are actually toxic. <laughs> so on a really pragmatic level, in terms of healing, you can't heal in the same environment that kills you. You have to learn how to purge. You have to learn how to be um, flexible. And, you know, I gave up my really amazing, gorgeous, but Teflon pots, a whole set of pots I had to throw out when I started really auditing my kitchen and and anything plastic, I just tossed out. And in terms of materials, it's really important. You know, your indoor air, Dawn, is really super polluted. We don't realize it. We're kind of living inside a coffin at times because there are certain buildings that don't have that recycled air. And it's like a living sarcophagus. You need fresh air. You need unpolluted air. And the one of the biggest uh, proponents of bad air is your carpeting. So carpeting, uh, I have a strong textile background. And by the way, going back to, you know, that washable rug, wool, 100% wool is incredibly easy to care for. So don't be intimidated by uh, 100% wool, 100% silk, jute, linen, all those really natural, wonderful cotton, wonderful materials, because they're actually easy to clean. It's viscose that leaves water stains up the wazoo, which I absolutely can't stand. So anything that has like viscose mm-hmm. in it, it's also okay. super toxic for you. So I, we can go down the rabbit hole of like, I can go from aspect to aspect of your room. And that's what I do as well. Audit spaces to kind of come up with, oh my gosh. So here's one column of things that you can get rid of. And here's also one column of things that we can swap out. I'm not going to just tell you, hey, this is the problem. 
I'm a solution-oriented person. And as a matter of fact, I even have for your for your audience a gift, which are three things that I think you can change today from a perspective of a high-end interior designer and someone who is very well-versed in biology and circadian rhythm. And these are three things you can swap out today that would enhance your healing. Oh, that would be great. I believe that it's really hard when you start, especially when you're going through cancer, you're like, oh my God, I'm already dealing with this. What am I going to do? Like rearrange my furniture? Well, I ended up rearranging a lot of different things. That was my meditation. The indoor air. Yeah. It's a good, probably to open up windows. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I know, especially in newer homes, our home is, is older, but in newer homes, a lot of it is, everything is really sealed. I've heard that sometimes they can be more toxic than older homes. But so is it good to have like windows open and circulating fresh air? Yeah. As a matter of fact, I never shut my window year round in the winter, especially in my bedroom. It's always open. The reason why you want to open your window is not just for circulation of air. It's also when you open your window, since sunlight isn't polarized, it bounces off surfaces and then your body is receiving a signal from that light to let you know for on your biological clock, your circadian rhythm is in alignment. So Maoish, when it comes to lighting within the home, um, can you talk a little bit more about how important it is for our health and for our circadian rhythms, which you had mentioned a little bit before? Yes. So we are photosynthesizing beings just like plants. And it's important to recognize what that means is we need light. We need sunlight. We need firelight. We need light in the full spectrum of it, not just in our eyes, but on our skin, because we have receptors all over our body. And the important thing is to recognize for thousands of years, we have been in sync with nature and modern life. And I might posit that these cancers, if, if over 70% of them are epigenetic, they are a, a result of our environment and our lifestyle. Now, if you take the lifestyle portion of that, and if you're on your iPad or you're watching TV, that blue light is bathing your body with toxic junk light. It's mm-hmm. like eating Cheetos for your, for your body, basically. <laughs> you don't even realize it. But it is, it's toxic. And there are studies now being done where they're linking um, getting the wrong light at the wrong time and breast cancer and the prevalence of breast cancer. So these new studies are coming out right here, right now. And again, I want to remind everyone that we're ancient beings. We have ancient biology. And as much as we want and are excited about having everything wireless, you know, I, I joke about how a smart home is such not a smart home. Like I hate smart homes. I think that's such a, you know oxymoron, really, because it's a really dumb home. You're being completely immersed in a toxic soup of electromagnetic and electrical waves that are affecting you. So back to the idea of uh, photoreceptors. What I had talked about earlier is when you open the window, you're not only opening air in and getting fresh air in and decreasing your level of indoor air pollution, 
but you're also getting the benefit of the sunlight on your skin, which means that it can bounce off the surface of things and land on your skin. And what that does is gives your body a certain signal that it's a certain time of day. Okay. And a lot of times, another reason why it's really important to open your window is a lot of new windows are laminated to um, not allow certain light spectrums to enter for energy efficiency, right? We need those, the full light spectrum in order to be healthy. I've done mirrors perpendicular to the window to bring in light, like strategic ways to paint your ceiling in a very reflective way to bring in light to the space. I really like that. And so how about candlelight? Is that is that a good light to have like on at night? Number one, materials are important. So, you know, non-petroleum-based candles, you know, things that are soy, as I love, like, you know, regular beeswax candles. Those were the original candles. Um, I highly recommend getting those. And I have a list of that. The reason why I love candles, Dawn, is for two reasons, well, several reasons. One, they're super elegant. Two, they're the only other natural source of infrared light other than the sun. And wow. so we have existed, our biology is in sync with firelight. We have a, a relationship with fire that, you know, many cultures worship fire. On a ritual level, it really sets the mood. Okay, it's nighttime, the sun's setting. I'm going to light some candles. I'm going to turn off my overhead light. I'm going to start, you know, my bath, or I'm going to read a book, or I'm going to knit, or I'm going to listen to a podcast like this, whatever it is that allows you to settle down into your parasympathetic state. Mm-hmm. It's really important to recognize that we're robbing ourselves every single day. We sit in front of a TV before bed. I really want to make that clear. Mm-hmm. You're creating an environment that is toxic and will bring on certain diseases if you don't take heed. And and I think, again, candles are also really beautiful. They're elegant. You can create a mood. It's so flattering to your skin. And I think not only flattering to the skin, it boosts your collagen. It's a win-win in my book. Yeah. Definitely go for it. Mm-hmm. Even um, having a fireplace is is so lovely. You know, that's another way to bring fire into your home. Even tea lights, like cute little like yeah. moments. It just creates an ambiance that is really seductive. It's very sweet. It's very nurturing. I think all of those adjectives are things that we need to kind of reunite with again. I think we lost a little bit of that along the way somehow. I think so too. I really liked how you mentioned that we have a connection with fire. That was really interesting. Now you had mentioned, I think LEDs or maybe you had not, but LED lights in California, actually you can't get incandescent lights anymore. Um, We had to replace some lights. So we had to, we got warm LED lights. So when you're looking for lights, is there a difference if you're going for like the warm LEDs? Are those better? Because I mean, I don't really like the cool toned ones. The 2700 Kelvin, I believe, are or anything less than that is good. 3,000 is way too bright. But I just want to add my particular take on LEDs. And this is totally new, by the way. This is new science. So 
I went to a premier electrical light bulb shop here in New York. I was stockpiling my incandescents. <laughs> <laughs> like them too. Uh, and yeah, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. And I asked the guy, we literally went through every single LED light bulb because they had testers. And I said, have you done the stroke test? And he's like, what? I said, yeah, um, here's, here's my iPhone. We're going to put a video on in slow motion. And I suggest that everyone do this in their home. Okay. And when you start dimming LEDs, they're different from an incandescent. So the way LEDs create a dimming effect is that they turn off and on and off and on imperceptibly. And when you put it on your slow motion on us and what I call my strobe test, it starts strobing. Wow. Okay. And that, by the way, is a major, uh, the epileptic foundation has, it causes headaches, it causes epilepsy, like seizures, Goodness. it causes so many problems and issues. If you start researching this, Don, you will find it's, they're just wow. catching on to this. Now that's a problem because what I want to state is what's marketed as something that's good for the environment and saves money could be making you sick. And we have to really parse out and be very clear that and not jump on the, the bandwagon of like, oh, it's really good for the environment. It must be good for me. For me. And it's not. So what I recommend, and this is something that I'm really trying to find an, a better way out of because this I see is a big problem, is if you're going to dim, make sure you do the strobe test, number one. But if it starts strobing, you can't dim your light. Okay. Rather, rather buy a bulb that's less bright or whatever you want to get that will be not be strobing out on you when it starts dimming because that dimming technology has not been fixed. Okay. Because that technology probably was for incandescence. So it worked okay with yeah. those. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. now if you have a light on a dimmer and you have an LED, can you just, I guess, just not dim it? I guess you would just turn it to one level and just leave it. And And the other thing that I would do this is like I've designed lampshades, is to be able to if you have a really bright light that you don't like the feeling of, but at least it's at it's not strobing out on you, is to have some sort of shade on it that gives you that warmth. You know, a lot of people look at their lamp, they're like, oh, that's the lamp that I have forever and ever. You can actually change out your shades. For example, change it seasonally. Like have certain shades for the evening, um, in the wintertime and the fall and other shades for something bright in the spring and summer. Think about using design techniques to create a home that also changes with you during the seasons, like Persephone. I'm so passionate about creating an environment that is healing, that is your oasis, divine sanctuary. And I believe that we all deserve beauty in our lives, especially when you are sick, especially when you're going through something like cancer. It's so integral and it, it's our birthright. Beauty is our birthright. Absolutely. I love that. So Mawesh, thank you so much for joining us on A Teaspoon of Healing. Before we sign off, could you please give your website details to our listeners so they can get in touch with you if they want to work with you? Absolutely. My website is claimyourparadise.com. 
And uh, my Instagram is Mawish Syed Designs. Um, it's Mawish underscore Syed underscore Designs. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And people can get in touch with you and learn more about you. And I really appreciate our conversation today. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much. So, so good. Thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for sharing. And that was, it was really an, a unique podcast. And I'm sure everybody will learn a lot from you. And thank you so much. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. You as well. Thanks so much, Don. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost. And we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.